We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Hope you guys are having a great Wednesday. I am here pulling my hair out because my daughter is getting on my nerves. So I took time out and took a pause from that so that we could record this podcast and talk about the return of Conor McGregor and everything else going on in MMA. By now, you guys know I'm Kel Dansby here with the old man Andreas Hale. Dre. Kids, I, I know you can't wait until your little one is a teenager. In 10 years, I'm going to call you and be like, yo, yo, is she doing crazy teenage shit yet? And I hope that you say no. I don't wish this upon you, my man. I, I wish nothing but peace in your household. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to this. My daughter's three, so I wish it would you know, be like <laughs> three forever. So whatever yes. stuff you're going through, like my nephew's 13 and he's here uh he's actually here at my house and he's become the moody 13 year old where he just lurks in his room and plays on his phone and he's weird and he but he's super stuff. chill though he's yeah. he's like he's a guy 13 he's also like, douchebags but you know that, that's fair we're all <laughs> douchebags as a teenager like that's that's cool like that's where you hone your skills of sarcasm like either you're gonna be a super extrovert just bagging on people and just having roast sessions, or are you going to be an introvert and a, like a creepy weirdo in your room playing video games, but be mad sarcastic? Like th- that's where guys go one way or the other. It's a it's an amazing time. Girls, my daughter has hit that point. She's about to be fifteen. She is just her and her mom are having full on hell in the cell style matches every week. 
and today her mom texts me she like in combat sports so she cut a mean promo on her mom tonight and she the last line was oh i don't want to live here anyway i want to live with dad and i'm just like what the fuck threw me all under bus like i gave her the idea to move with me like i'm like yo so she you know she tries to pull that every divorce kid line like oh dad's house is way more fun she'll pull none of that shit here i don't know what she's beefing about um yeah so i guess she feels she has too much rules and there's it's too strict but here she gonna have more rules she's setting herself up for failure pretty much because she's gonna be here and be tight because i'm way more strict than her mom so before i have to go and uh straight up paul Heyman her on the mic after this podcast i figure it's a nice way to come and just woosah for a second and talk about the week that was in mma and talk about you and and your i wouldn't even call them troubles but your beefs on twitter right now because people are up in arms that you say anything negative about conor mcgregor now that he's back and now that he's back in the win column how dare you say anything remotely semi not positive about conor mcgregor (laughs) the audacity you have dre the audacity people are letting you have it in your mentions oh man so yeah obviously as you guys listen to the show we're a few days removed from conor mcgregor uh getting his 42nd knockout of donald cowboy cerrone and as we're recording the show a little bit earlier so i think by the time you listen to us maybe news will come out about Conor's future plans but my thing was during fight week i kind of monitored what was going on for those who don't know Conor has two pending sexual assault uh charges their investigations he's he has he was arrested and released on the first one the second one i don't think he was arrested um the irish police operated on uh being anonymous but obviously this thing that came out the new york times reported that connor has been involved in these two things so that being said as we headed into fight week i was wondering who was going to ask connor these questions now my thing is i don't uh, we mentioned this last week i don't think you should immediately go in head first and be like hey connor what's up with those sexual assault accusations i think there's a way that you should handle it and for me i always look at it as how does it affect a fighter in their preparation when you have something like this and more even more importantly, I feel like Connor did it because he had too much time on his hands. And not meaning he did the sexual assault, but he gets himself into trouble in general because if he's not fighting, he's got to do something. And wrong place, wrong time, possibly, or where he wanted to be and just did some sexual, dirty sexual assault stuff. I don't know, but this is where we're at with it. I wanted to know who would ask him. Ariel Helwani did an interview with him and kind of asked him about the charges, what was going on. But he didn't specify sexual assault. So Connor was just kind of like, I didn't do it. And I can't really talk about it. Cool. That was the end of it. Wednesday rolls around for the press conference in Vegas. And I said last week, press conferences are not the place to ask these kind of questions. But I understand as working media, especially if you're on a deadline, you have to ask those questions. And uh, uh, a reporter from the New York Times Asked about the question, the crowd immediately booed. Anybody who watches this press conference knows what I'm talking about. They booed him out of the building. I, I had a problem with it, but I didn't. MMA fans, a lot of you suck. I get it. You don't want to have anything bad said about Conor McGregor. That's what it is. They booed. 
My issue with this was Dana White chiming in, said he already answered this question, and basically it was just like, move on, and then Cowboy Cerrone was like, only ask about the fight, and Connor's just sitting there quiet. Therein lied my issue with it because it set a precedent like, we're not going to allow you to ask these questions, or we're going to blow you off because Ariel asked a question, and this is no, I'm not saying anything's wrong with Ariel, I'm saying one reporter's job isn't mine. So if I need a soundbite and I need a quote, and even if that quote is no comment or I cannot comment on this, because you don't even know what the question is I'm about to ask. And I think his name was Morgan from the Times. He was a stringer for the Times. And I think Morgan's question was going to be, you know, was there something to the along the lines of if Connor if it was going to affect Connor's ability to fight? And that's a fair question. And because he got booed and publicly shamed by Dana White and the sycophants that love Conor McGregor, nobody else asked about these sexual assault charges. So I kind of waited through the week. Um, media day rolled around. I didn't get a chance to ask the question. I asked Masvidal a few questions, but I, it was like three people that asked Conor McGregor questions. It was like Brett Akimoto, uh John from MMA Junkie, I think Mark Rimaldi, and I maybe one other reporter. Nobody else asked Conor questions. They pulled them so quick. That even Connor was like, that's it? So it made me wonder. I was like, man, maybe they're trying to keep him away so nobody asks these questions. So I waited, I waited, and there were people that were asking, well, what do you say about sexual assault charges? So anybody has seen it now on Sunday morning after the fight, I chimed in about this because the UFC has had a history with banning reporters for doing things that Dana didn't like. Josh Gross, uh, Loretta Hunt, uh, the time that Ariel Hawani was damn near banned because he leaked the information about Brock getting a fight. Like, come on. But <laughs> it's happened. for like three days. Yeah. And then up and it was a big. So I wrote a story about how this casts a cloud because as journalists, we should be able to do our job. And our job is to ask questions. Now, some do it better than the others. But if I don't feel comfortable and if there's a public shaming of me asking a question about in two open cases of sexual assault. And again, it's about the framing. I shouldn't feel like I can't ask, ask that question. And Dana shouldn't say that he already asked that question. If that's the case, why the fuck do we go to any of, any of the fights? Errol can just do our job for us since he can ask all the questions and we have to go off of his answers. It doesn't work like that. That's not how media works. We all are supposed to get our questions in. And when you don't and you set a precedent that, you know, media guys, listen, don't ask this, don't ask this. Dog, what the fuck is that? And again, Dana has a history of this. And this was not the right time nor the right place. Connor can answer his own questions. He's a big boy. He can ask, ask a question. If somebody was like, because my question would have been, did you have too much time on your hands? And that put you at the wrong place at the wrong time. It wouldn't have been straight up about because I know he can't talk about an open investigation. Some of us know better than that. But I shouldn't have to feel like I can't ask the question at all. And that's where my problem lies. And as soon as this article comes out, all these people in my timelines like you just want to bring Connor down. Who said that? I like Connor. I don't know him. He he makes everybody a bunch of money. He's a great yeah. fighter, but I'd be remiss to say like to completely ignore that these charges exist because if it was fucking Floyd Mayweather, y'all would have wrote all the shits about him, and y'all have done it before. Other outlets during fight week, stories would come up about Floyd's issues with his exes and women and all this stuff. And now we're not supposed to ask anything about Conor McGregor because the UFC wants to kind of control how the media handles this? That's bullshit. Perfect example is Greg Hardy. 
Dana was like, he's answered those questions. He's a champ. He let the man ask the questions himself. Imagine if some shit happened in the NBA and Adam Silver was like, nah, man, LeBron answered those questions. Man, get the fuck out of here. I can ask what I want. And it's up to that person to say no comment or answer however he chooses to do so. So, yeah, I got people pissed off about that. But you guys don't, that don't know MMA media, don't understand what our job is, and you guys are chiming in because Twitter has made you all think that you know me or another MMA reporter and know what we do day to day. We're not fanboys, which is my other thing that I'm going to talk about in a second. Fanboying in press row, which is some bullshit. <laughs> but... But you don't know our jobs. You don't know what we have to do. Like, we need to get original quotes. We, we can't rely on one reporter for our story. Because Errol asked a question doesn't mean shit to me. Or any other reporter for that matter. And for Morgan to get booed like he did, MMA fans, you should be ashamed of yourself. Because then y'all be the first ones on social media like, y'all don't ask the hard-hitting questions. When we do, you boo. And then second of all, Dana White in the UFC. Look, I'm not even casting this on UFC PR because everybody over there, they're really, they've been really good to us. But Dana has always had an issue with MMA reporters asking certain questions. That shit ain't cool. No, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you definitely broke down the scenario where it's, it's a question you knew was coming. And you can't dictate how many times someone asked that I understand that they thought talking about it a little bit on Ariel's podcast or his show or uh, I think it was his show on Monday would suffice right they thought okay we're just going to talk about it then and then we can always point back to oh we discussed this on Ariel's show oh we discussed this already we have nothing else to say that's like a basic just tactic right there right yo just say you did this say we talked about it before again pointing at that kevin hart documentary we're always referencing he's supposed to go on ellen apologize and then just always point back to the ellen show that he discussed it before that's all they were trying to do but it's a different platform it's a different forum every time he's in front of a camera or a microphone he's going to get asked about this until the allegations are no longer alleged that's just what's going to happen. Now, people shouldn't paint him as guilty, but they also don't have to paint him as innocent. They can ask how he feels about the allegations, what he thinks about being named twice, so on and so forth. It doesn't matter and it should not matter whether that gets on Dana White's nerves. No, and that, and that's the point. People are like upset. Like they're mad because I wrote this story because I like I waited. I waited all week. I waited to the press conference. I know the post fight press conference nobody's going to ask then. But I waited, and I was like, hmm, I wonder if anybody's going to bring this up. I always raised my hand because I was, I was going to find a slick way to ask the questions about, specifically, it was just like preparation, and you want to be active, and th does this keep you out of trouble? That was going to be my question, to lead into those charges to keep you out of trouble, punching a guy in a, in a Dublin pub, sexual assault allegations, the dolly-throwing incident. When you're not fighting, you're getting in trouble. That was going to be my lead, but I didn't get a chance to ask that question. And it makes me wonder, is the UFC being real careful? Now I want to move on to the second thing. After, if anybody saw, after Cowboy got decimated in 40 seconds, and there were a lot of people that said he laid down, which I think is complete bullshit. If you watch the fight, kind of just... That's ridiculous. That, that, Again, those shoulder shoulders were ridiculous. Stephen Ooh. A, we're in the same company. He just needs a little more sleep. Not he, he needs to prep a little more. He needs to learn who Cowboy is and what he's about. <laughs> yeah. Because may, th there may be some people in this fight game 
that may do the deed and lay down for a star. Cowboy is not one of those guys. Not at all. He will go in there. Sometimes he's not as good as his opponent. He is never laying down for anyone. And when I heard that, I cringed so bad because no one would ever say that about... And when I see Stephen A., I'm going to tell him this. He was at the station the other day or at, on campus the other day. I'll be in New York at the joint. When I see him next time, I'm going to tell him this. Like, yo, I understand you didn't know or you didn't mean it in that way. But that's like someone telling you when AI took the Sixers to the finals that he laid down for the Lakers. Like, you were covering sports in Philly. You were the basketball guy in Philly. AI is your guy. Imagine if someone said, this little dude with this much heart laid down for the Los Angeles Lakers in that finals. No, right? His team wasn't as good as the Lakers. Cowboy's not as good as Connor. Sometimes you get boat raced. You do not lay down. AI didn't lay down. Cowboy didn't lay down. Get the comparison? Let's not say this shit anymore. Yeah. So with that being said, as soon as the uh, you know the internet went crazy, so the following morning, uh, if anybody's familiar with Barstool Sports and Robbie, I don't have an issue with this guy. I've met him; he seems like a nice guy. Uh, Robbie posted a video of him watching the fight, and he's cage side at the fight. And wait, wait, one time I meant I saved this for the show. Was he next to you? Like, was he in the media seats or was he just? No, I don't know in exactly auxiliary where seat. he was. Because it looked like he wasn't in media row. I thought the laptop was on his lap, and he just happened to have, like, a fringe floor seat. Maybe, maybe that's what it was. But I know he had been around throughout the week as credential media, right? So I don't know exactly where he was at because I wasn't looking around where I was sitting at in press row. Um, but he posted a video of himself uh, watching the 40 seconds of the fight and losing his mind with, with the fans. And it made me wonder... Because as much, if y'all remember, I got so much shit about tweeting about my blackness, Kamaru Usman knocking out Colby Covington, and people were so pissed that I would say something. People said I needed to be professional, blah, 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 blah. So let's just say that I posted a video like this with Kamaru Usman knocking out Colby Covington and me going crazy over this shit. Would y'all be like, that's cool? No. I, I have a number of reasons why. But it's it's weird because it kind of leads into my journal like being a professional journalist, and I don't know if Barstool Sports considers themselves that or not. I don't know how they frame themselves, but I think if you're credential media, one of the rules, as we all know, is they tell you not to wear like anything promoting another fighter, not to cheer at press row. Like you have to have some kind of journalistic integrity. And if, they, if we're going to be loosey-goosey with these kind of rules and Robbie can post his video of him fanning out for Conor McGregor, I should be able to do it for Kamara, right? I wouldn't, though. That's not me. But then those same people that are, that were getting on my case for asking that question were trying to tell me how to do my job when it came to Conor McGregor and the sexual assault allegations. Dude, y'all don't know shit is what I'm getting at. It's like you guys don't know nothing about what we do, yet you think you know everything. And when things like this come up, like somebody was like, well, if you if you love the sport, you should get up and cheer. No, that's not what we do, man. What? Yeah, they somebody, have no clue. <laughs> they don't These have are the clue. people who think we get tickets to give them to come to fights. Right. Like, oh, you're covering the fight. Oh, you got tickets? You have no clue what I do, do you? No, they don't have a clue. And it's, the other thing about it is, like, 
I had tweeted this the other day because so, like somebody posted that Rihanna had broken with her boyfriend and then somebody was like, oh, Rihanna must be a real trash. Like, we know by now that Rihanna is like the problem. And I was like, what the fuck? Who are you? You don't know Rihanna off of a tweet. Uh, Twitter makes y'all think y'all really know us. You don't. You don't know me. You don't know Kel like that. Like, you may know us in ways on social media, but y'all don't know like our day to day and what, what it looks like when we do like doing all this work and the things that we deal with. It's, it's just Twitter. It's not my whole life. And when I see this thing with Robbie, and I'm thinking like, man, if I post that Kamara Usman, I, I'm not going to guarantee it, but somebody from the UFC would have called me. Because I oh, mean, yeah. Kobe's, Kobe's <laughs> you your guy the, too. Yeah, you're getting the phone call. Yeah, I got the <laughs> phone call. So it's like it, 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 you, the UFC, the way they handle their media is very, um, it's unique. Because I don't know if you remember, Kel, they used to have um, like the uh, the Brazilian that like wore the fake nose, and they had like the comedian. Like it was weird. Yeah. Like, they had certain people that I was like, "Are you guys journalists or not?" And they're not like the Schmo, because the Schmo actually does his job, right? Like, the Schmo is actually like Nardawar in hip-hop, where he actually does his research and asks questions. But they were like comedian journalists here, like, asking stupid questions. Robbie, yeah, but see, it, that's my thing with the Schmo, though. Like, yeah, I'll let you continue, but that, like, the Schmo, cool, I understand, like, he puts in a lot of work behind the scenes, all this stuff, he asks good questions and everything, that's cool. But other people see the gimmick and don't see what goes behind the gimmick. And then they just try to adapt the gimmick and get in. So it's like Mayweather. People think he's clubbing and all this money and all this shit. Now all these boxers want to do that. They don't understand the work ethic behind the scenes that makes him Floyd right. Mayweather. Absolutely. So the schmo yeah. is cool, but he may spawn 10 other schmoes that don't see shit besides the gimmick. And then they do this like... I don't know Robbie Barstow. I don't know shit about him. I know that he's a Conor McGregor super fan... And that has gained him access. He was outside of the court hearing after the Dolly shit with a sign that said free McGregor and all. This is what he does. And now is being let in in the guise of being a media member. Yeah. So that's where we're at. Like fending off the troll, like Conor McGregor, man, he brings him out. One way or another, the idiots, the goons, the fans, the sycophants, the the marks, like he brings him out. More power to Conor for doing that. But that's like I just I'm up to my ears in bullshit just in my mentions about people and they're calling me names. It's like, oh, you're like some people call me racist. And I was like, all right, I don't see how we got there. But cool. Um, somebody said, I, you know, I don't deserve my job. And it's like word. <laughs> like, All right. My check says otherwise. But alas, here we are. <laughs> the but, check clears. Yeah, always. And then some. But it's like, man, come on, you guys. Like, like, man, listen. You don't know what our job is, and it's like with Connor, you can't protect Connor. He's a professional. He needs to be able to deal with this. It's not all roses and gum jobs when Connor comes around. He's got to be asked tough questions, too. You can't just let these guys skate. So let's actually talk about this past weekend. It went kind of how we expected it to in the cage. What not surprised for me. me- <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't think it was making it out of the first, but um, what surprised me even more than what happened in a fight, which we'll dive into, was the support and the atmosphere, how it came across as me watching, as, you know, having to watch everything from fight week and, and take it. And I was helping that MMA, MMA team out. So 
I was doing all of that, and it was kind of quiet for Connor earlier in the week, and then the supporters started rolling, and then that aerial interview did help him a lot. People were like, the old Connor's back. And you see the support, the more support. And then he was nice to Cowboy, and people were like, oh, he's changed, and oh, I'm sorry for being late to the press guy. He was on time for the first one. I'm sorry for mm-hmm. being a little late to the weigh-ins. I had to get the kids right. Oh, my God, I love this con. He was endearing. Fight night. The Irish were out again. You look at the Robbie Barstool kid. Like, his whole fucking timeline is people waving Irish flags after T-Mobile uh, in Toshiba Plaza outside of T-Mobile Arena. And going crazy. I felt like those fans that they said all his antics and everything had quieted were gaining that confidence again to be public Conor McGregor fans. And to the point now that after the fight, they're all back. He's back and they're back. I feel like it's cool to be a Conor fan again. And they came out like they were waiting for this shit. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. Throughout fight week, um, because I've covered... Now, to this point, I've covered... Damn. I've covered a lot of Conor fights. Poirier, um, Aldo, Mendez, both Diaz fights, this fight, Khabib. Uh, early Conor... Around the Poirier fight was a focus, hungry um, Connor. Then he kind of got away from him around. Like the Khabib fight was like an angry Connor. It was a different Connor. It was a Connor that just was spiteful. It was like Tupac, right? It was like Tupac <laughs> after you got shot. He was just exactly. really angry. It was death row Connor. Yeah. And then this week was insightful. Um, I'm focused back on my craft. I love being here. And it's like Connor knows he needs to be active. And it, it's, yeah, it's cool to be a Connor fan again. I mean, Connor, there's no doubt about it. He's the biggest star the UFC has ever seen by a country mile. Like Tito, Chuck, Anderson, those guys don't even come close to what Connor has accomplished. So he's must watch television. But there has always been an endearing quality about Connor McGregor. He knows how to work a room. And he did that very well this week. And then he was facing an opponent they didn't have beef with. So he respected the hell out of Donald Cerrone. And how can you not? Cowboy said some dumb stuff. I don't know if anybody saw like the trans interview he did with Brendan Schaub. And it was, he was just really confused about transgenders. And he just sounded like a, a dummy. But when it comes to him fighting, how can you not respect what Cerrone has done? He comes to fight. I pegged him as the Arturo Gotti of MMA. He may not be the most skilled all the time, but he's going to come and fight. And how can you not respect that? And, and Conor respected it all week. He would say, read him like a school book, and he picked him apart. And he said he was going to beat him. He said he was going to get rounds in. That shit didn't happen. But I, I, I thought the fight week was, went how it was. And even after afterwards, Connor was like, I'm going to have a drink of this proper 12, and I'm getting right back in the gym. I'm not going to drink. Do I believe him? I don't know yet. We'll see what happens. But a focused Connor is a scary Connor McGregor. And I don't think he was focused against Khabib. He was, he was angry, not focused. This was a focus counter who's looking forward to getting back to work because he lost a little bit. That could be a fight like losing to Nate was like, all right, I lost at 170. Uh, I'll get this one back. And he was super focused fighting Nate for the rematch. Losing to Khabib was somebody that you hated. And when you lost to him, took a lot out of you, made a lot of money, but you were hurt. Losing to Floyd was like, all right, cool, whatever. I'll learn from this. But losing to Khabib, that shit hurt. And now he's back to the old Connor. Like, he's kind of back to the old Connor. We'll see if it stays that way. But you, got, you can't help but to like him, man. He knows how to light up a room. 
Yeah, it's funny that you kind of mentioned that because I don't know. That Khabib fight was so weird looking back at it, right? Like, just going into the whole build. He, he was out for revenge. He was... He said he drunk the whole fight week. It kind of... It seemed like it. Dude, it seemed like reckless. maybe he was drinking a lot. Like, he was just wilding out. And the last thing he was thinking about, it seemed like, was the actual fight. And Khabib, during that whole build, was like, I'm going to humble him. Yeah. And I think he did. Like, in all sense, I think he did. And the craziest part is, is that's probably the worst thing Habib could have done to Connor. We'll yeah. look back. That shit was Austin, Bret Hart, double turn. That was Habib being able to win and walk away with his head held high. I beat the big bad bully. But instead, he jumped out of the cage. He created a brawl. He made all the attention off of Connor losing. We said it that night. Yep. The biggest thing he did was start that brawl because it took all the attention away from what happened in the cage and Connor's performance and him losing. Yeah. And Connor has changed. He humbled him. Connor comes back different and refocused and. Habib might have created his own worst enemy. Yeah, he definitely did. I mean, so let's talk about the fight itself. I didn't see the fight playing out like this. For I didn't see Connor obviously the shoulder jab in the clinch. Didn't see that. Who could have? No. Connor. I mean, Cerrone definitely didn't see it because he broke his damn nose. What um, the hell was that running left hand though? It was just, the left-handed version of Masvidal's super necessary knee. Yeah, like. Connor started off fast and was trying to catch Cerrone Cole because I think I want to say that, that he looked at the Pettis video when Pettis caught Cerrone with a liver kick and was like, if you catch him cold, that's the best way to catch Cerrone. You have to catch him quick because once Cerrone starts going, he's tougher to beat. Yep. Benson Henderson learned that lesson. A lot of guys have uh, learned that when Cerrone's the running. The RDA fight, RDA yeah. caught his ass quick. You got to get him out of there. If you keep let him hang around, he gets into a rhythm because that's how Cerrone fights. Connor broke that rhythm as soon as he threw that left hand. And then Cerrone had no idea that shoulder was coming like that. That shoulder was like a punch. And he crushed Cerrone's nose. And then Cerrone throws one kick, gets lit up by a Connor head kick. Never saw that coming. He <laughs> crushed him with that head kick and then clobbered him into oblivion in 40 seconds. This was, this was a scary version of Connor McGregor. Like him winning the fight in the manner that he did. People are like, Cerrone's washed, blah, blah, blah. Again, he's like a Turo Gatti. The guy comes to fight. He didn't lay down. He just got pounced on immediately. Didn't land a single strike. But that version of Connor? Because if you say the Cerrone laid down, then I guess Josie Aldo laid down too, then, right? 13 seconds? Yep. He didn't lay <laughs> he down. At least he landed one strike on he landed one strike on the way down. Yeah, like when Connor's in, when Connor's in a zone, he's almost impossible to beat for a lot of guys. You can't beat him standing up. You just can't. And unless you're like because the other thing is you can tell, and damn it, I meant to ask him this question yesterday and I didn't get a chance to. What is the difference in power transfer from when you first were at 170 to now? Because it's clear that he's he's settled into that 70-pound body. Whereas when he oh, fought yeah. Nate, he was just kind of throwing everything and then he gassed, the muscles weren't there. Like, 
it was different but now he's settled into this version of 170 he looked a lot more fluid in 40 seconds not a whole lot but it, everything had like bad intentions but he wasn't throwing them was the bad intent that he had with nate diaz and couldn't get him out of there he just he looks different he his body's filled he looks strong like even dana white at the post fight was just like i'm not going to question this move anymore he looks strong i don't know yep. if he beats masvidal with the same shit but man he was a wrecking ball against cerrone that was frightening I- Again, I mean, you look at guys like Wonder Boy and all this. Connor has that same type of style. He has a style to give Masvidal problems. He's not Nate Diaz. He's not a straight boxer. He's not a wrestling guy coming in with no hands like Ben Askren. He's a guy who can stand and trade. And he can time Masvidal. Stylistically, he matches up very well with Jorge. So I I don't know. I think that's a really good fight for him if he can go 25. And that's the key. It looks, if he's healthy, if the gas tank is there, if it's even comparable to him in that second Nate fight, in which I think maybe just being more comfortable, the time off is huge. The time off to just rest your body, very few athletes have the luxury of doing that. He got the money. He got the time. Shit hit the fan. He disappeared, but his body relaxed. His body got healthy. If that equates to him being able to go 25, Masvidal is in trouble because it might not make that. Masvidal was going to the decisions a lot. He, he landed a great knee. But outside, of, he's not a finishing machine. He's the perfect style f- fighter for Conor McGregor. So, so let's I, talk about it. Because you're, you're bringing I up think, Masvidal now. I, Let's talk about I it. I think that should be the next fight. Because as much as the Khabib rematch is interesting, Khabib will always be there. Losing to him is already there. That title opportunity and going down will be there. But why drain yourself? See what you can do at 170. See. Test your boundaries. Then go down if you want to fight. We, we've seen Jose Aldo lost two fights in a row. This guy's getting title shot. Losing fights aren't going to hurt you if you're Conor McGregor. You go down and get a title shot whenever you want. See what you can do. A, a win against Masvidal gets you a title shot anyway. This is where it gets tricky. And here's, here's my thing. I think in a perfect world, if everybody was healthy, and um, but the Khabib-Tony fight was still booked, the next fight should be Conor and Masvidal. The issue is Masvidal said he's not going to be healthy until April. There's a Vegas date in March that kind of was like, oh, I might return for that, which I'm sure he's talked to Dana about. But then he wants to fight Khabib for the lightweight title, but that fight's in April. And then if he's going to fight in April, he kind of also said the post-fight, like, I don't really want to wait. Like, who knows what happens when... Because he doesn't think that fight's going to happen. He's been very vocal about, I don't think Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov are going to make it to the octagon in April, and I'll be ready to jump in. But if they do, that would mean... The contest, he won't fight until, like, that's April, and then that fight happens. Then you don't fight until what, August? And I don't think Conor wants that. No, but at the uh, same July, fight week. If they're healthy. This is Tony Ferguson could be we're talking about. That's not going to be like a one-punch knockout. They're going to beat the shit out of each other. Very I don't true. see either of them being ready in three months for another fight. So that means Conor would have to wait. Basketball would be the perfect fight. My the concern is if he, if Connor really wants to fight in March, he won't be fighting Masvidal, and I think the fight to make, even though I don't think it'll happen, would be Nate Diaz, because a guy like Israel Adesanya who's fighting Yoel Romero in the main event of that card will gladly say, 
go ahead. Put Connor on the card. More money for me. So that's fine. I just don't know if Nate's going to be ready for that fight or not. But on the other side, I talked to Masvidal this week, and I asked him, you know, in a perfect world, who would you want if, you know, do you want the welterweight title with Usman or you want to fight with Conor McGregor? And he thought about it, and he's like, if I didn't make any money, I fight Usman because I want to break his face. But he was like, I go back and forth about this, and I asked him if you want to fight a new Rager Stadium, a Legion Stadium. He'd love to fight Conor at Legion Stadium, but he knows that stadium's not going to be ready till the end of the year. Yeah. Which is a... Because... Masvidal, or end of the summer. Well, I mean, yeah, and you got to deal with football and try to find a date and all that shit. But Masvidal would love to fight Conor in a setting where he's the champion, which means he would have to fight Usman, and he can break records in the stadium, which would be a legion. So that makes it, it gets it starts to get a little tricky because the timing is all messed up because depending on when Conor wants to fight, when Masvidal is healthy, Usman's also hurt. And I'm hearing rumors that he may be out even longer. So I don't know where this fits in. Then you got to figure out where Connor's going to fight. Connor likes to fight in Vegas. Yep. So if he doesn't fight in Vegas, I don't know where he's going to fight. And if he wants to fight Khabib, he wants to fight in Vegas. And we all know Khabib said he's never fighting in Vegas again. Khabib also said Connor's got to win 10 fights in a row for him to fight him again. So when you mention the uh, the fact that Aldo's getting a fight with, uh, with uh, Cejudo, Cejudo asked for that fight. Yoel was asked by Adesanya for that fight. Khabib's not asking to fight Conor McGregor. And it gets tricky because now Khabib also knows his worth. He's making a lot of money. He's going to make it real hard on Dana and Conor to get that fight done. So, in a perfect world, I'd like to see Masvidal and Conor fight. I just think there's so many moving parts. And the one person that's sitting there with nothing to do is Justin Gaethje. What are they going to do with him? He should be fighting Conor. I don't know if Conor wants that fight or not, but that's the fight to make. Because Gaethje has nothing to do. Well, Gaethje could run it back with Poirier. Yeah, but I mean, shit. He's, he's going to look at it like, yeah, I could. But I could fight Conor. He just fought Cerrone yeah, and beat yeah. him in 40 seconds. That's a Again, big... it's going down back to 155. I think there's bigger fights for Conor. Money-wise, and to get him closer to those milestones than Justin Gaethje. Dude, he's, um, any fight for Conor is big. Yes, the Khabib fight is the biggest that can be made. I know people are saying a Masvidal fight is bigger than Khabib. No, it's not. It's no. big, but Khabib and Conor is the fight to make. Masvidal and Nate Diaz trilogy kind of on the same level. Yeah. Khabib, Khabib number huge. one. What the best thing Gaethje can do is... Again, I know it's expensive. I know it sucks. Is to go through a camp, mini camp, and cut down on the weight and be ready for Habib, Ferguson, one of them to fall out. Yes, man. You know how much that sucks? And you though? make yourself the guy in case Connor, and jump Connor. So Connor doesn't have to do it. Let him be 170 pounds and not be able to cut the weight. It does suck, but the history is on your side. Yeah, the, but the issue is who do you prepare for? You you prepare for Khabib because you and you and Tony are just gonna chunk him. Like there's no preparing for that. That's like uh, in sports when uh, compared to football. Like when I coach football, if you're preparing for another spread team, you just run your own shit. You just go against your offense defensively. You you don't do anything different. But if you're preparing for a power eye team, yeah, you want to prepare for the power eye. Like you got to specifically game plan for them. 
Tony Ferguson's like fighting himself. You do nothing different. You don't have to prepare for that. It's your own style. That's that's everywhere. Sure, shit gets down to the ground. It gets a little funky for jujitsu, but you don't have to prepare for that. That goes wherever the fight goes. Habib, you got to prepare for specifically. So you prepare for him during camp. And if it's Tony, then cool. You and Tony run it for an interim belt. And now that I've mentioned the dreaded I word, interim, that's where this Usman injury becomes very, very convenient to clearing all your shit up. Because if Usman is out until October, November with another injury, you tell Connor and you tell Masvidal this shit is not only for the BMF fake title, this is for the interim welterweight title. And it gives Connor the chance to be a three division champion, even with just an interim belt. Yeah, that that's the clearest path this, here is Usman being on the shelf. And in a weird way, in a weird way, I could even see like the UFC going, "Yo, Usman, I know you're healthy, but you're not. Okay, here's a couple million dollars. Sit down, and you'll get the winner of this fight. Let these two fight. You're still hurt. All right, we're the cast. You're still hurt because." It, it doesn't complicate things. Because a, a healthy Usman is obviously not as big of a draw. And he's a he's a f- terrible fight for anybody. Like, as much as Masvidal was like, yeah, I'll break his face. And Conor was like, ah, he's, he's a jockstrap sniffer and all this. Nobody wants to deal with a wrestler like Usman. And Usman's no. also huge. Masvidal and Conor were f- lightweights. So then moving up to welterweight, it's kind of like fighting Cerrone. It's like, all right, cool. He's, you know, he's about my size. Usman is huge. <laughs> like, he's not a little welterweight. So you find a way to get him out the way, and hopefully this injury is longer than expected. But I wouldn't be surprised if the UFC was like, dude, just sit on the shelf. You're still champ. Let them fight yep. the, for the interim and make the BMF like kind of like the interim title. Because eventually yep. I think you got to get rid of that shit. <laughs> like it doesn't mean anything. Yeah it, yeah, it doesn't mean anything at all. But for Connor to hold up two belts at the same time, he'd want both on the line. Yeah. Because you know he'd hold up the BMF in one hand, the interim on the other and call himself the the champ, champ, champ. It'd be the first. I, lo- I left one champ away. Champ, 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 champ. Four champs. Yeah, so stupid champs. little stuff then sweetens the pot for Connor, and I think that becomes the perfect storm. That would be. That would be. It, it clears the path because I'm just curious if Connor's going to fight Mark. Because Connor keeps talking about activity. If I'm really curious if Connor tries to turn it around in March. Because I don't think. Connor would turn it around in April and fight on the undercard of Khabib and Tony. And I don't think Dana wants him anywhere near those two. Well, especially not Khabib in New York. No. So there's International Fight Week, which seems like the perfect place to do Masvidal and Connor for the interim title. So maybe he does fight in March. Maybe he does fight Diaz. I feel like in Connor's mind, he's more acclimated to 170. Probably washes Nate now. You know? Yeah. I mean, in his mind, I don't say that's what happens. Yeah, it gets negotiating with Nate on short notice, and the type of money Nate will command is always a a crapshoot, right? Yeah, it makes it it makes it tough. But it's it for me, it's it's almost the safest fight to make to keep Conor busy and make him a lot of money, if he wants to be active. If he's comfortable sitting down, July Masvidal and Conor for the interim BMF whatever the hell title is a fight to make. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. Like, I interim title's the best 
him fighting in March is dicey. It is. Because it's just like who... You know who messed this all up? Anthony Pettis messed this all up. Because if Pettis could have handled business, he would have been the perfect person to say, move back up to 170, give him Connor, and Connor would have wrecked him too. Yeah, that didn't happen. No, Pettis by no means. Yeah, Pettis is a rap. He's washed. But that would have been a good, like, oh, let's keep Connor busy fight. Yeah. Fortunately, um, we're not getting that. No, we, we are not. And just to touch on the rest of UFC 246, so it doesn't seem like we're all about Connor. Um, Even though it was all couple... about Connor, let's be clear. That, nobody <laughs> that... cared about anything else on that card but Connor. Well, Holly Holm refuses to pull the trigger. You were very adamant about this. She won a very boring but decisive fight against Rocky Pendleton. You know, people were, were telling me, they were like, well, it's a game plan because Rocky's best chance to beat Holly was striking. And so Holly nullified that. And I'm like, yeah, and she'll probably get a title fight. And I'm like, yeah, but look, my issue with Holly, and I tweeted this, Holly's better than 90% of the strikers in the in women's MMA, period. Period. She's better than them. I don't understand Holly's style. I don't understand why she waits so much. I don't understand why she has a hard time pulling the trigger. She's a counter-striker by nature, and that's frustrating because you look at Holly fight. It works against Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey comes running in, kick her in the face. Real easy. It worked against Betch Correa. Betch comes running in, kick her in the face. Who cares? But if she wants, if she attacks... I think she gets Rocky out of there. I don't think Pennington can hurt her. So this whole fight, they're clinching, and I'm like, what is this? And people are like, she still, she'd probably get a title fight, but that tells you how whack the division is. Like, yeah. if she's There's right no back one else. In, Dude, if she's right back in the title picture, nobody wants to see Amanda Nunez kick her face off again. Nope. Nobody wants to see that. No, like, that was decisive. We're, we're good on that. So what do you want to see, a Durandamy fight? Yeah, run it back. And I'm like, but... I don't know. I feel like she could have beat Pennington anytime. I'm not saying Rocky's a bad fighter. I just feel like the talk about her striking is it's like on Holly's level. I don't see it. I just don't see it. No, but Holly, Holly was like super frustrating. She's a points fighter. Yeah. She doesn't have a killer instinct at all. Like someone could run into her and get knocked out. And she's like, ooh, what a great coincidence. But she's not trying for it. She's a points fighter through and through. And that's what she did. She outpointed her, was happy with taking the win. Um, Olenek landed the choke on Maurice Green. Submission. Could have saw that coming. Um, Kelleher pulled the upset over Osborne. That was all right. I wouldn't call that an upset. I thought Osborne was going to... Yeah, he's from a contender series. He got lucky. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying he got lucky to get here. He got lucky because the Claudia-Alexa Grasso fight got knocked off and they ended up on the main card. But I, I figured Kelleher's... He knocks people. He stops people, and he looked good in that fight. Yo, he tied him up so bad, he had him tapping with his feet. Woo! That's a submission. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Um, and then we had Pettis getting wrecked and getting stopped. Of course, it's Anthony Pettis. But the fight to talk about, the shocker, Roxanne Modafferi beating Macy Barber. That is how you stop a hype train. Because yeah. on the ground, that shit was a master class by Roxanne. Master class. Not even comparable. And it comes out Macy Barber tore her ACL. So we don't know when necessarily this happened or how much it led to that. But I think she was getting worked before that anyway. She couldn't stop a takedown. She had no clue what the hell to do on the ground. 
Yeah, and listen, I love Roxanne Modafferi. I've said it a million times. She's like the nicest, sweetest person in the world. She wears glasses on her way to the octagon. Like, how can you? She's like a complete dork, and I love it. And like, she channels like Dragon Ball Z at the weigh-in. Like, there's so many things I like about. She loves anime, and I said last week that I picked Macy to win, like we all did. Roxanne was like a plus one thousand underdog, something crazy. Yeah. And but I said the one thing I said was Modafferi is very durable. Like, she doesn't get stopped. Like, she's durable. She'll hang around. And the longer that the fight went, and as soon as Roxanne got Macy on her back, it, you're right, it was a master class. And then the injury happened. The, her father said the injury happened in the first round. And I noticed when she went down from that punch that Montefiore hit her with in the second round, it wasn't like a big punch. But she screamed. Like, I knew something was wrong. But yeah. there was no hope. Like, Montefiore had her number. And now Barbara's going to be out for nine months. Paige Van Zandt somewhere snickering. Um, and <laughs> it's <laughs> like, all Paige Van Zandt's fault. Yeah, it's all Paige Van Zandt's fault. And, you know, another fighter with a lot of hype gets knocked off. But I, th- I think this fight will make Macy Barber a better fighter. Uh, she's, what, 21? Yeah. She'll be fine. Yeah, she's not, she has plenty of time. Yeah. MMA is not built for 20-year-olds. It no, is not. not. This shit happens. It's okay. You come back. Get back to the drawing board. Get, you know, just she has to be more explosive. I don't want to say she's in bad shape because she's a fighter. She goes to dis- she's not in bad shape. She's just not to the point. And this goes for a lot of early twenty year olds outside of Sage Northcut. But when you're usually twenty year old, you don't have your grown man and or woman's body yet. She doesn't have that that grown woman's body yet. She's going to get more explosive, faster, stronger. Those are all things she's going to be. She's just not there yet. She's not in her prime yet. So, you know, this is the learning curve. Better to happen now than later. She doesn't have the pressure of being undefeated. She can go on. She'll be fine. Still very promising. In a weight class that, let's be honest, it's dominated by one person. You got time. Yeah, exactly. You got time to learn and build your resume. That same person will probably be there in four years when you're ready. No rush. Take your time. Um... And that's pretty much it, man. There's a UFC card coming up this next week. Uh, it's in Brazil. Couple good fights. Uh, RDA versus Michael Chiesa. As the co-main, we really only have to touch on the co-main and main event. Uh, Chiesa versus RDA. I'll take RDA in this one. I just don't I don't know where Chiesa is right now. Yeah, I'm going to pick RDA too. Chiesa is one of those guys who's he's really big for the weight class. Great grappling, but now you face somebody like RDA who's... I don't know where RDA's at either, to be honest with you. Remember, RDA was the bully of the division for a hot second, and then he got injured before the Connor fight, and then it was, like, over. Um, but I'm going to pick RDA because I think the striking's there, and he'll beat him. I wish I kind of wish this fight was on this week's card because this, this weekend's card was a whack undercard, but whatever. You guys in Brazil can have it, so I'll pick RDA for the Coleman. Yeah, oh, Angie Hill is on this card. Versus Hannah Cypher. Okay, I, well, I'm rooting for Angie. We know. Root for everybody black. You know how that goes. <laughs> um, main event, Curtis Blades versus Junior Dos Santos. <sighs> Seven years difference. I, I'm picking JDS. He's knocking Curtis Blades out. I love Curtis Blades wrestling, and he could. He could wrestle his ass for 25 minutes and take him down. I don't see it happening. I see Curtis getting caught. JDS's hands are still very, very good. 
And he's not that... I can't believe he's only 35. The man is five years younger than Daniel Cormier. Incredible. I'll go JDS. I'm just going to play devil's advocate. I'm going to pick Curtis Blades because Curtis Blades has been beaten by who? Francis Ngannou. That's... Nobody hits like him. So... I'm going to say Blaze is going to work the takedowns. and I don't think it's going to be a pretty fight. I don't think it's going to be a pretty fight. I think it's going to be pretty ugly. But I think Blaze wins in Brazil. Um, a narrow decision. I think the takedowns work late. Uh, and he, he gets it. But it's a, it's a 50-50 fight, in my opinion. It's who who deploys their strategy first? Is it JDS striking or is it Blaze wrestling? And I'm going to go with Blaze. Yeah, it... Those Ngannou fight. It's not like Ngannou beat him once. He knocked his ass out twice. I mean, who? come on, man. Ngannou's knocking out like everybody. So is, there's no shame in getting knocked out by Ngannou. It doesn't mean That's true. Is it time to out. give Ngannou a title fight? What happened to the heavyweight belt? Uh, That's a good question. Stipe is the champ, and he was at UFC 246. I completely forgot he was champ. Like, I was looking at him like, damn. <laughs> like, I'm looking at him like, when you go fight Cormier again? Oh, yeah, you beat Cormier. Shit. Yeah, so, and Cormier's just not ready. Like, there's no mention of this at all. No, it's it's weird. The heavyweight division's like become a complete afterthought. And I figure they have to book this fight somewhere within the next three to four months if it's going to be Stipe and Cormier one more time. And that means Ngannou. Yeah, are you waiting for a fight week again? Like, that's almost a year. And I figure at this point, because Ngannou looks like the, because uh, he has to fight against some, um, god damn it, what's his name? Uh, the other dude that's just been rolling lately. Oh, Jesus, why I can't think of his name. Oh, the big Ro- black dude. Oh, there you go. Ro- uh, Roken Struck. Yeah, Roken Struck. Yeah, it's on, like- ESPN. Let's call him the big black dude. Yeah, okay. But he's got that I fight. I mean, he is. I'm yeah, not. I'm not <laughs> and it feels like lying. that could be a number one contender's fight, I guess. Rosa yeah, that's been on the streak. I can't. Who else in the heavyweight division? That's pure violence. And give last. me, give me Francis. Like let's just let's just keep it a buck. Uh, Rosa's truck is good. He is not Francis and Gano good. No, so and, yeah, this yeah. is uh where the luck runs out. You know, there's a difference between Arlovsky. He, he really should have lost to the Reem. <laughs> but he split yeah. his he split his mouth open, so that shit was crazy. But his it's Reem, Arlovsky, Crowder, Albini. No, this is a huge jump. Yeah. And yeah, he's he's great. You know, he's cool. He looks good. He he finishes people. He's going to sleep. But yeah, sure, we'll call it number one contenders fight. Good yeah. good for him. It's all the, the point Why the point not? is Blades and Dos Santos is not the number one contender fight. If Curtis Blades were to win, it's not. I, I don't see that happening. No, he got knocked out by Garu twice. No, yeah. Yeah. no, no. You, you're somewhere behind him. Absolutely. And uh, JDS got knocked. No, everyone gets knocked out. And it's a matter of it's DC coming back to get the belt. If DC gets the belt, he's vacating as fast as they could bring in a bucket of Popeye's chicken because he is not getting hit by Francis Ngannou. Shit's never happening. So then you'll have, you know, just the champion. Like, you'll vacate the belt and have Nganu rematch again. And it's just like, whatever. I, the heavyweight division, honestly, they should just bid Cormier adieu. Like, I get it, but he's the one holding it up. Because it'd be so sure. much easier if he wasn't there. It'd be a simple plan, but 
All right, whatever. We'll, we'll see how that shakes out. That's our MMA show for today. We want to thank all you guys for listening. This is show two of the week. Make sure you guys go back and listen to our boxing show that debuted on Monday. And stick around because on Friday we're dropping our pro wrestling show, which is always crazy. We have part two. Part two of the saga that is just crazy with Tessa Blanchard. Because as soon as we stopped recording last week, she gave an apology, air quotes, that we have to talk about. So you guys don't want to miss that show on Friday. Till then, follow us on social media, Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. Can't wait to talk to you guys on Friday. We're out. Peace. On the corner.